What is up, everybody? This is Adam. Welcome back to Fouled Out. Today, Matt and I are going to be going over the AFC East Divisional Preview for the 2022 NFL season. And then we will be back on Friday with the NFC East Divisional Preview. Next week, we're actually taking a break from the divisional previews to do the Fouled Out Fantasy Football Draft Kit episode. We have an expert coming on this year from the Second and Goal podcast, a very good fantasy podcast. If you guys get a chance before next week, go check that out. He's going to help us break down your fantasy draft for you because we are coming up on fantasy draft season. Then after that, we'll be back the next couple of weeks with the South and with the West divisional previews, getting you all the way up to our picks pod and then on to week one of the NFL season. It is getting close. But for now, let's get started with the AFC East. Matt is here. It is time to talk about one of my favorite divisions in football, the AFC East, home of my beloved Patriots. Uh, Matt, this podcast is going to come out in August. We have football this month. The NCAA has week zero on August 27th is a Saturday. And like 1230 that day is Nebraska versus Northwestern. <laughs> and let me tell you, the football drought with the football drought, I have never been more excited for a Nebraska versus Northwestern game in my entire life. I don't know if I have ever heard a single sentence prior to this that included all three words, excited, Nebraska, Northwestern. Unless it was like, I'm excited for that game that's on after Nebraska versus Northwestern. But yeah, I'm I, like, I want to say that is a brand new sentence. <laughs> no, we're four weeks away from that game. And I'm already like planning my Saturday. I'm like, all right, I got to be on the couch at 1230 with my snacks and my drinks. And I'm, I'm looking forward to football, man. So we're about we're four weeks away from that. We're about five weeks away from the actual NFL season kicking off that. Thursday is five weeks from this Thursday, but we got a couple more divisions. We got to break down first and a couple other things we got to go over. Uh, so we're talking about the AFC East today and really kind of like a low key, interesting division, depending on how you look at it. Like there's going to be a lot of competition for the wild card spots in the AFC mm-hmm. this year. And two of these teams, the dolphins and Patriots are going to be right in the mix for those spots. Uh, but probably as wild cards because, you know, this division seems like a runaway for the Bills. They're heavily favored to win it. Do you see the Bills as the runaway favorite? Yeah, I mean, they should be, right? If if everything that most people agree upon proves to be true, then there's no reason why they shouldn't, you know, be running away with this division. It, it pains me to say this because it's not my team in the division, but they're just such like a well-run organization at this point that not only like they were great last year, they're going to be great again this year, and they're going to be great for years to come. I mean, really, as long as Josh Allen is healthy and then they just keep putting good pieces in around him. When you have an elite quarterback and you 
you know, do what you need to do to keep that elite quarterback. All it takes to be a competent, to be a well-run organization is to be competent. Like, you don't have to do anything special. Just be competent, and suddenly you're great. Yeah, I just feel like they just keep nailing it, though. <laughs> like, they just keep nailing all the drafts. We're going to talk about some of the guys they drafted here in a little bit. Right, but, but like, it, having that quarterback makes it so much easier because you like it's like oh well this is what would help the quarterback okay let's go do that just do that makes it really simple you say that but the packers have had rogers for years and they just absolutely refuse to help him in any way yeah (laughs) they're not confident (laughs) they're like what does he need oh let's get him another let's get him a first round center and another running back all right another cornerback let's go baby (laughs) Yep. All right. So on to the AFC East. We're going to start with category one, the biggest question. Matt, what is your biggest storyline for the AFC East this season? Well, uh, we'll go back to uh, a single tweet from Josh Allen that just said pain. Go tweet, like top five. And, oh, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, his season ended rather abruptly and out of his control my storyline for this season is his revenge tour i mean i cannot imagine that a player that talented and that competitive that has refined his game so dramatically in the what Five years he's been no years he's been four no it's five we're going on five i think that he is i cannot imagine that he did not take this off season and like really deal with it with a chip on his shoulder and is planning to come back with vengeance have you seen the I pictures think- of him throwing in training camp with the like amber visor on his helmet no, I have not seen that. <laughs> yeah, the, the NFL is fucked. <laughs> yeah. He looks so sick. I mean, sick. they already were. He looks so sick. He was already unstoppable, and now you made him mad. <laughs> A guy who we both had as the number one quarterback in the league for this season who yep. lost his shot at likely a Super Bowl because of a coin flip and because his defense kind of let him down. Um, Yeah, yeah, I can see it. He's incredible. He's only getting better every year. And like I said, like, I think the league is just like in trouble. He got in a fight at training camp the other day. Like he's feisty. He's ready to go, man. From week one, like from the jump, he's going to be ready. I mean, I'm, I love Joe Burrow, but I, I'm a little upset that we didn't get to see a, Josh Allen and Matt Stafford Super Bowl. That would have been intense. It's not too late. Yeah. It's not too late. The Bills are going to be really, really good this year, like we were just saying. And even though like some of his weapons have moved on, like they got rid of Cole Beasley. Thank goodness for them. Yeah, Emmanuel Sanders is gone. They replaced him basically with Gabriel Davis, who's going to be the second receiver in this offense this year after Gabriel Davis is ridiculous. I think like four or five touchdown performance uh, in the AFC championship last year. 
And then they, they've brought in some nice weapons as well to kind of fill the void. And like the offense is just loaded and ready to go again this season. Uh, you know, last yeah. year they were like top three in DVOA and offense and defense, and I expect to have a similar performance. So yeah, it's big season for the bills. Definitely going to be fun to watch Josh Allen's evolution as well. I really don't feel like their wide receiver room is any worse than it was last year. I mean, especially if you're accounting for drafting Cleo Shakir and, you know, they've got, they've got depth with, uh, with like Isaiah McKenzie in the slot. And like, while Kumro isn't anything great, if he's your like sixth wide receiver, like he's done some things in the league already. Like that's that's not terrible. Yeah, I mean, as long as they don't cut him, because that might piss Josh Allen off. <laughs> if you get that joke, you're you're a real one. Think about like Gabriel Davis, the jump that a lot of people expect him to make to fill that number two wide receiver role, especially after what we saw out of him in the playoffs last year, and then Isaiah McKenzie and Khalil Shakur filling that slot role, kind of taking Cole Beasley's spot. Like yep. this offense is going to be probably better than it was last year, especially because of some of the guys that they drafted who we're going to get to in a little bit, but I expect this offense to be fully operational week one and for him to just be balling out immediately. By air and by land. Like they're just, I feel, I expect them to hit the ground running early. And if not, I think that's probably even scarier. <laughs> yep. Um, so on to my biggest storyline for the season and I'm, I'm kind of going to lump Zach Wilson into this as well. He wasn't part of my initial outlook on this, but my biggest storyline is which non-Josh Allen QB in this division makes the biggest leap. I mean, especially between Tua and Mac Jones. Miami and New England yeah. both expect to be playoff teams this season. They're both going to be competing for one of those spots and like with how tight the race is going to be in the AFC this year, you think about like those four teams in the AFC West, you have Cincinnati, Baltimore, Cleveland in the North. And then you have the bills who are very likely going to win this division kind of leaving like, can one of these teams can Miami or new England make the playoffs at all? And which one does and so much of that is going to come down to what kind of jump Mac Jones and Tua Tungavailoa make. In Tua's case, Miami spent a ton of money and shipped out a bunch of assets to get this team ready to compete right now. They brought in Teron Armstead. They brought in Tyreek Hill and extended him. This is a team like on paper, Miami to me is a team that's ready to compete for a Super Bowl. If you look at everything outside of quarterback, like they're, they're pretty set everywhere. Like that defensive backfield is absolutely disgusting. The receiving core with Waddle and Hill is going to be disgusting. The running back room is pretty good. They got a new coach who comes from the Kyle Shanahan tree. Like that team is ready to compete right now. It's just that they're only going to go as far as their quarterback takes him. And I think that there are some serious questions about their quarterback on the other yeah. side with the new England Patriots, the Patriots are a team to me, like I'm, I'm a huge Patriots fan and I will be honest with you guys. I'm not super stoked on the Patriots this season. I think on paper, 
this team looks like it's probably worse than it was last season, especially at some key positions on the defense. But if Mac Jones is the guy that a lot of people think he is and the guy that I think he is, he might be the type of guy that just makes a, a jump that's so big that he just takes him to the playoffs anyway. Kind of like the opposite of what we're seeing in Miami, where like while the team isn't set up to compete, this quarterback is going to make them compete. You mentioned Zach Wilson too. Like he, we know he's got all the physical talent in the world. Didn't have a whole lot of support around him last year, but you know now his coaching staff has another year under their belt. They have some they have some things that they could have learned from. And also, he has a much better wide receiver room this year. <laughs> the reason I was going to lump Zach Wilson in here with the other guys, too, is that, like, while the Jets are not going to be a playoff team this year. No. I mean, at least in my opinion. They've spent a lot of high value draft picks to bring in stuff around Zach Wilson. So they draft yeah. Garrett Wilson with a top 15 pick. They draft Brees Hall at the top of the second round. You know, Elijah yeah. Moore's got another year under his belt. He was a high second round pick. Yep. But Zach Wilson was straight up bad last year. You know, and some of it wasn't his yeah. fault. And oh, yeah. I mean, a, a lot of it wasn't. Uh, the the complete and utter lack of protection and the incompetency of the offensive coordination was <laughs> pretty pervasive. But that also doesn't excuse parts of his play as well. Yeah, if you're a Jets fan, you got to have PTSD watching how bad he was last season yeah. and thinking about Sam Darnold. So I think to kind of calm the minds, like, right, if you're a Jets fan, you want to see this guy take the step forward, especially with the better weapons around him. So that's the main thing yeah. that I'm watching is like outside of Josh Allen, which one of these guys takes the biggest leap? Let's go on to the next category. That is the highest impact newcomer. Yeah, so I'm going to go pretty chalky here, and I'm going to go with Tyreek Hill, one of the best wide receivers in the league when he's 100%, and his speed is literally game-breaking. And you could potentially note that the last couple of years he's hit on fewer deep passes and has had a lot more of his receptions come short. But I would argue that the fact that he's doing that and is still being extremely productive and taking those short passes and getting a lot of yak out of it is making him a very valuable asset. This, he is not necessarily in his prime, I would say, but kind of like what I talked about with Lamar Jackson, he changes the math on the game and you have to figure out mathematically what you're going to do as a defensive coordinator with him because of the things that you can do with him. Uh, putting him in motion is terrifying for a defense because there's so many things that can come out of that, and you have to mess with the coverage as he's coming across the formation. It's just he he changes everything, and he makes more opportunities for other guys in that offense like Jalen Waddell and, you know, the other receivers and even create space for the running backs on checkdowns. Yeah. I think there's potential that Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle could be the best receiving duo in the league this year. Thinking about what Waddle did last year and now going into year two 
And then with how talented Tyreek Hill still is, I watched a video from your boy, Brent Coleman, a couple of weeks ago about how the Dolphins offense is not dissimilar to the Chiefs offense, actually, in terms of the routes that they run and like the depth of target and the different routes that Tua throws to. It's just that Tua is not as good at hitting some of the routes as Patrick Mahomes is. And he was like, yeah, I fully expect like the Dolphins offense to be really good. And for Tyreek Hill's production to not drop off, blah, blah. And I'm like, that's great. It's all well and good. Brent Coleman. Tyreek Hill's quarterback is no longer Patrick Mahomes. And yeah, while I, while I agree with you that he's going to have a massive impact this year. Yeah. Because he is very talented. I, I expect his play to drop off at least a little bit, or maybe not his play, but like his production. Yeah. To drop off that. here. Like 15 touchdowns or something like that last year too. Yeah. Like he, he's been incredible with Patrick Mahomes and like having yeah. that chemistry. I don't buy all the shit that comes out of Tyreek Hill's math mouth about yeah. Tua being so good and accurate like yeah. Patrick Mahomes is. Um, so I think it'll be really interesting to see how he fits in this offense. But like yeah. the thing that Tua is really good at is showing is throwing those short and intermediate routes. Yeah. And that is actually like people think Tyreek Hill is a burner, but that's not correct. He is like an absolute yeah. route technician underneath, and he uses yep. that speed to really break away once he catches the ball. So I think he could be really good in Miami, and I think he will be good this season. I just don't think it's going to be the same Tyreek Hill that we were used to with Patrick Mahomes. No matter how good Brent Coleman is at trying to convince me. Yeah, I mean, he's he's certainly... If he was in Kansas City this year, I would expect there to be a drop-off. Because statistically, he was on another level last year comparatively to most of the seasons that being said like yeah there is a drop off a very clear and significant drop off multiple tiers of quarterbacks between Patrick Mahomes and Tua Tagovailoa I eventually got there (laughs) (laughs) you will not convince me otherwise but um my highest impact newcomer I kind of cheated I I didn't want to take you know, you, you're going to talk about another guy here in a little bit who I didn't want to take. Yeah. So I, I picked the Bills draft class, specifically uh, Kyrie Lam, James Cook, and uh, Khalil Shakur. I just, mm-hmm. we, we were talking about this before. You know, the, the Buffalo's front office is just so competent at this point. Like, they do such a good yeah. job. And they looked at their roster and kind of like where they could address needs in the draft versus in free agency. So like they really needed a number two corner. And instead of like going out and spending a ton of money on someone like a JC Jackson or someone like that, they work within the limitations of their salary cap and their draft picks. And they go out and get someone in an alarm who, while he wasn't my favorite player available at that position, he's going to be like a plug and play guy for them week one. Yeah. And then to go out like James cook to me, I think has a really good shot at actually taking over this backfield this season. I think Singletary and Moss have kind of been like uninspiring the last couple of years and that like he could actually be really good. Um, and I love Khalil Shakur. I'm, I'm high, I was higher on him pre-draft than a lot of people were. I had him in like my top six wide receivers in this draft. And I, just, I think it's just going to be a really nice fit for them with him working underneath. So 
while I don't think that like one of these guys is going to be the thing that pushes them over the edge to win a Super Bowl this season, I think like the combination of what they did in the draft is going to maybe be the difference maker for them. Um, like cheaply addressing some of these needs and kind of making this team more sustainable over the next 10 to 15 years. You got uh, Elam, who is a guy who, you know, while maybe not either of ours favorite cornerback prospect, like he is undoubtedly very talented and has that mentality of, you know, having gone up against number ones in college and is just, just battles. And you need that out there on opposite of Tredavious White, because we saw what a huge impact it was when White went down last year. And if you're able to have them on both on the field, like that's, that's a huge weapon defensively. If White goes down again, okay, well, now you got at least another guy who can not necessarily match what he does, but can at least hold down the fort. And that that's huge. Uh, getting a potential bigger weapon like Shakir, we might be looking at that addition very differently than we do right now. Um, and everyone knew about... <laughs> how uh, lackluster the Bills running game has been. And Cook adds flair to it. And I think that's the big thing that's been missing. Is like Singletary and Moss, like they're fine. They're fine guys. They are going to wind up on another roster somewhere else eventually and they'll probably be in the league for a few years. If your running game is going to be a problem, you need a running back that's going to be a problem for the defense. And neither one of those guys is that guy. They'll get you your four or five yards. Sure. You need someone who is going to just make whatever the defense does a couple plays a game not matter the all around game of James cook to be able to run the ball and be a problem and also be a, ca- a pass catcher out of the backfield. Like that, it's just yep. something they haven't had. And to add that dimension into an offense, that's already going to be elite is a scary prospect On to the next one. Who is your potential breakout player for this season? So we already talked about him a little bit. Uh, Elijah Moore in last year's draft process. There was not a single fan base that didn't want their team to get their hands on Elijah Moore because he was, he's so talented. He was so productive in college. Uh, you can see the talent there. But there were a lot of issues in New York last year. A lot of it was coaching. A lot of it was just horrible offensive line play. A lot of it was bad quarterback play. Um, And you could argue that a few of those things probably influenced some of those other things, but there's more experience for more this year. There's more experience for the 
coaching staff and there's more experience for Zach Wilson. And I think all of those things bode well for Elijah Moore. And another thing that really bodes well for Elijah Moore is being the third guy behind why am I playing? Uh, Garrett Wilson and Corey Davis. Like you get to be the slot in between those two guys and you are going to have the least attention on you in most base offensive sets. And I think if he starts to get the ball in a little bit of space early in the season, I think his he's it's going to be like just like a momentum thing. I that's kind of how that worked for uh Amara St. Brown last year. When I think about Elijah Moore, I think about the phrase real recognize real because yeah. AJ Brown at one point said that Elijah Moore is better than him. And yeah. while like sometimes when those things happen, people chalk that up to being like, oh, well, they played together and they're friends, and like he's just trying to boost his draft stock and help his buddy. Yeah. I don't think guys as competitive and as good as AJ Brown say mm. things like that lightly. Like, yeah, we talked about this last year with Ohio state where Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave were like, yeah, as good as we are, Jackson Smith and jig was actually better than both of us. And people kind of like laughed that off and then saw him drop 350 yards in the Rose bowl against Utah. <laughs> like these guys don't joke about that stuff. And yeah. so like, I think Elijah Moore has a ton of talent. I wanted him really badly for the Patriots in that yeah. draft. And I'm disappointed that I'm going to have to watch him torch my team for the next 10 years. Yeah. It's, it's funny because we all sit here and look at all these receivers and laugh and joke about how big their egos are. And then we throw all of that out the window when they say stuff like that. You don't get to do that. <laughs> no, I really honestly think it should be it should be like a bigger sign in the other direction. That's like, oh, shit, we should really take this seriously. Yeah. When a wide receiver is saying this guy's better than me. So I like that pick. Yeah, my pick for the potential breakout player this year is Patriots defensive tackle Christian Barmore. Mm -hmm. If you look at his stats from last season, they don't look like much on the surface. 46 tackles, only one and a half sacks. However, he led all rookie defensive linemen in pass rush uh, grade on PFF. And I'm talking like edge rushers, interior defensive linemen, led them all. And I mean, like the, the highest of any rookie was Michael Parsons by a long shot. But number two was Christian Barmore, and he's a defensive tackle. And while like the stats don't necessarily show it, he was destroying other offenses. Like he was blowing up plays all over the place. I think it's just a matter of converting that pass rush talent and converting that disruption into numbers. And then he'll start getting the respect he deserves. And I fully expect him to do that in his second year under Bill Belichick. I loved the pick for you guys when you made it a year ago and he had a really, really good rookie year, maybe quietly, but I mean, I think that there is a lot more under the surface than what we're seeing, kind of like an iceberg. Um, 
and he is large, much like an iceberg. Yes. So there's a lot of potential there. And if he becomes the level of disruptive force that he can be, then that's going to amplify the play of every other play on player on the defense. I think back to like prime in Dominican Sue. And he was putting up 10 sacks. So a lot of players on some of those lines defenses that were playing the best football of their career and then went elsewhere, wasn't playing with that level of player or his play dropped off. And surprise, surprise, their play drops off. Having an elite disruptor in the middle of your defense changes everything. Yeah, it's one thing like so one of the ways to improve your defense is like to get pressure on the quarterback and like just regular pressure is one thing. Interior pressure is like Tom Brady said this multiple times that like he can deal with edge rushers and he can deal with blitzers. The one thing that he can't deal with is interior pressure. And you see it from like prime Sue. You see it from guys like Aaron Donald. You see it from like. Fletcher Cox, like the best defensive tackles in the league. This is what this kid is capable of when he reaches his peak. We saw it last season. He led all rookie defensive linemen and pressures as well. He had 34 pressures last season. So, yeah, I mean, you don't have anywhere to step up or, you know, they just beat the blocker in front of them. And your options to get away from that is to, run left or right and uh, uh, that's where the edge rushes are like it's the most efficient way to fuck the offense yeah it's just a matter of turning it into like numbers for him because like the the counting stats weren't there so when he does that he's going to be a household name uh category four who is your non-quarterback mvp for the afc east I wanted to pick Stefan Dix here because you can legitimately argue that he is the best player in this division that isn't Josh Allen. Um, I think that would be accurate. But I'm going with offensive tackle for the Miami Dolphins, Teron Armstead, because acquiring him was the real clear sign that the Dolphins were all in on finding a way to make Tua work. And he's been one of the best offensive tackles in the league for a very, very long time. To be fair to Tua, most of his career, he has played with poor offensive line play. So giving him a really solid bookend has to help. And if it doesn't help, then you have your answer on to <laughs> They have but everything yeah. they need for a quarterback to be successful. Like, like I said, if they had like a top five quarterback, I would probably tell you that Miami's a Super Bowl contender this year. Yeah. But they're yeah, going to quarterback. <laughs> yeah. They're going to, they're going to go as far as two, it takes them. Honestly, and like getting Teron Armstead and getting some of the pressure off Tua, especially from a spot as critical as left tackle, yeah, should be a huge positive for him. 
we just have to see how he converts it. So my non-quarterback MVP, I, I thought about going with a couple different guys here, but I'm going to go with Bill's cornerback, Tredavious White. Simply for the fact that like, there are very few holes on that team. And one of the things like the Bills season this year, if they don't win a Super Bowl, this is a failure of a season. Like this team is set up to win the Super Bowl this year. If they do not get the job done, this is a failure of a season. One of the things that's going to determine if they actually do that or not is how Tredavious White comes back from his ACL tear. Yeah. I'm pretty convinced that if he didn't get injured last year, that they would have at least been in the Super Bowl instead of Cincinnati. They probably like if he's playing in that game in Kansas City, I think that he makes enough of a difference for them to win that. And then I think they could have taken care of business against the Bengals the following week as well. And it's just, it's a matter of like, it takes about a year to come back from an ACL tear. He's going to play the beginning of the season under a year of recovery. So how does he come back from that? How good can he be post ACL tear? Cause that can be a two year injury where you're not to, you know, we saw with like Cooper cup, he wasn't up to bet like being a hundred percent of his powers until year two coming back from that ACL tear. So like, how good can he be this year? And if he is elite, that may be like the last piece that they need to actually win the Super Bowl and get this done in Buffalo. And he's just like a I've really talked. good corner. Yeah. Yeah. I've, <laughs> you ain't got to convince me. I have probably talked more at length about the impact of that injury than, than most. Uh, and in a lot of ways, like their defense goes as he goes. Um, I mean, obviously, like inj- injuries to other players like Matt Milano will be huge as well. They have had years in the past where they suffered a lot defensively when he was out as well. But we saw last year in the postseason against Kansas City probably more than we ever have uh and any and in any of those other games that he missed, that game I feel like highlighted his absence more than anyone else. Because all they needed was one stop. They could get by against the worst teams without him. But right. when when you have Patrick Mahomes playing the way that he was playing in that game, yeah. you need your best players out there. Uh category five, what is your bold prediction for the AFC East? My bold prediction is that Zach Wilson is going to have a better touchdown to interception ratio than Trevor Lawrence this year. Uh, I've talked about the reasons why you can expect him and the offense to be better this year. You take a look at Jacksonville and their wide receiver room isn't really all that great. I mean, they brought in Christian Kirk and significantly overpaid him, but they're basically paying their number two receiver the most money. (laughs) He's not as good as Marvin Jones. I've talked in the past about how I'm not a Doug Peterson fan. I don't think he's a very good coach. Um, But I, I think that, you know, Zach is just in a better situation 
And I think that a lot of people are expecting Trevor Lawrence to have this miraculous change in quality of play when his situation is, well, it's changing a lot because Urban Meyer is gone. gone. A lot of the other stuff isn't changing though, right? It's, it's doesn't seem like there's been a vast improvement anywhere else other than the absence of Urban Meyer. And I think that Zach is receiving a lot more help. And I think that there should probably be some notes taken on that. Help your young quarterbacks early. And maybe they develop. I like the take because it's like a half Zach Wilson good, half Trevor Lawrence bad take. This isn't even like an anti-Trevor Lawrence thing. Like I I just think he's in a situation where he's set up to lose. Yeah, I, d- I don't agree with it, but I appreciate the huspa that it takes. Uh, my bold prediction for the AFC East is that Mac Jones takes that second year jump and throws for 4,000 or more yards, 30 plus touchdowns with less than 10 interceptions. It represents a pretty significant jump for Jones, who threw for 3,800, 22 touchdowns and 13 picks last season. And while like the numbers I mentioned don't sound outlandish, for a modern quarterback, there were actually only three quarterbacks last season who hit those qualifiers. And it was Aaron Rodgers, Dak Prescott, and Kirk Cousins. So, like, while it's not the most elite company, like, it is difficult to do because the way that the game is set up nowadays, quarterbacks throw a lot more interceptions. Like, Tom Brady, Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, all the really good ones had more than 10 picks last year, which is why they don't qualify. But I think Mac Jones does a really good job of taking care of the ball. I'm bullish on the Patriots offense this season. Uh, my questions for them are more defensively, which is kind of a weird spot to be for the Pats. We, we haven't been here in a little bit, but I think that Mac Jones like is that dude. And I think that he's going to show it this season. So um, I think big season for Mac. I'm a Mac guy. I, I really like Mac. My hesitancy on that bold is not so much his ability as it is play calling. I think that we have watched Bill's play calling over the last few years and the man really loves to run the ball. (laughs) And I think there's a distinct possibility that just situationally, he doesn't give Mac enough of those opportunities for him to reach that point this year, at least. So the reason I'm more bullish on it than most people is that I actually think one of the things holding back the Patriots play calling over the last couple seasons was Josh McDaniels. I will talk about this more in the AFC West preview, but I've never liked Josh McDaniels play calling. Even when Tom Brady was the quarterback, Bill is taking over the offense. I think like there's been all these stories about judge and Patricia bill is taking over the offense this season. And I think that he's smart enough to look at last season and say, we were at our best when we spread out the field and let Mac Jones work. And I think we see more of that this season. Um, and I think we're seeing early indicators with Ramondre Stevenson taking the bulk of the first team work in camp away from Damian Harris. He's a better pass catching back. He's like more of a three down back. Than Damian Harris is. Um, so I think it'll be interesting, but I'm I'm more bullish on them. Maybe it's 
too homerish of me and my my hopes will be dashed early but uh we will see but for now that is it for us as always fouled out can be found on spotify apple podcast pocketcast overcast anywhere you get your podcast you can hit us up on twitter at fouled out sports and you can find matt on twitter at matador underscore defense if you guys are digging what you're hearing go leave us a rating and review on your podcast app of choice we really appreciate it it goes a long way to helping us uh and soon we'll probably be inserting an ad for our patreon here so we'll let you guys know when that's coming up and what kind of content you can find behind that paywall. So uh, Matt and I will be back on Friday with the NFC East preview, a division that's definitely a professional football division. It exists in the league for better or worse. It's worse. It is there, but all right, my friend, I will see you soon. Yep. Later. Bye, guys. Bye, Bye Mom.